It's here. It's your August edition of the Smog Buds. I'm your host, Liz, with my co-host, Will. Hi, Will. Uh, hi, Liz. How are you? Good enough. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> good, good, good uh, in terms of on mic persona. Yes. Have yeah. you, you know my, how I've been way into TikTok? Yeah. There's this uh, little like audio that's going around um, that's usually used with like a picture of like a dog or a cat walking towards the camera. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of what I just sang. Uh, mm. It's. Here comes the boy. Sure, yeah. Hi, hello, boy. Mm-hmm. Welcome. <laughs> yeah, I know. Here comes the boy. Yeah, <laughs> everybody knows that. But I've been singing that a lot, and I have been singing it to Rudy. And then when I see my um, friends, uh, my friend dogs, Okra and Crouton. Crouton is a boy, so I sing it to him. <laughs> friend dogs. <laughs> Well, I should say right up the top uh, that for the first time in a long time, I'm a little under the weather, so I might sound uh, different and uh, not uh, very good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we understand. I know I had my first uh, post-pandemic, though we're still in the pandemic, um, cold a couple weeks ago. For me, it is... Not only first, uh, you know, post-COVID, and when I say post-COVID, I mean post the The emergence of COVID, not (laughs) the lifespan of COVID. It's not only post-COVID cold, but I swear this sounds odd, which is why I'm qualifying it. But Mm -hmm. if you can believe it, as David Lynch would say. Um, this is my first post Arizona cold. Like what? Since moving here, like my six God. to seven years ago, I just stopped getting sick. That rules, dude. It does, and it did. And I would sort of have allergies, mm-hmm. um, which I never had before. But it's sort of like okay, it used to be I never complained about allergies. I would get sick what I think is sort of a normal amount. Yeah. Like two or three times a year I would get a cold. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it swapped uh, since living <laughs> here. I never got any colds, but mm-hmm. I basically year round had like mild allergies. Oh, God. Were you taking any medication for that that mitigated that at all? No. And and <laughs> and I don't. And that's and that's <clears throat> how how mild it has been. Yeah. It's just been like, oh, I just live with like this low grade, like certain times of the day, I need to flush, my, flush yeah. my stuff out. Yeah. Uh, without um, trying not to be too too gross, gross. about this yeah. sort of gross topic. But um, now it's, uh, as you said, August uh, 2021, um, back to school, I remember uh, when I was a school child in New York City, back to school meant like right after Labor Day. Mm-hmm. But whether it's because times have changed or whether it's just because I'm in a different part of the country, back to school is like the beginning of August. It's because you're in a different part of the country. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's very weird that I, it's back to August as far as I'm concerned. Back to August. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and... 
so I presumably the school supplies they start selling them in like June or something, mm-hmm. based on what I think of how that works. Uh, anyway, I live with someone, uh, a, a roommate, uh, who works in uh, an elementary school, and went back to work, and the kids followed shortly after and Mm -hmm. then uh germs were spread and then they were spread to uh our home and so first she was sick and now i am sick i feel like dana not to talk about dana's medical records on this podcast but i feel like she gets sick sort of regularly when she teaches and you've never caught any of that she has been getting sick for the both of us for for like five, six years. Hello, Angie. Thank you for making An loud sounds just by walking around. That She's like, you could have up carpet, on the sir. Yeah, not in this part of the world, no. <laughs> Angie, that door is staying closed for a reason. <laughs> Off. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hopefully for good uh, until we're done. Okay, there we go. I don't mean permanently. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. Dana Dana has been getting sick for the both of us since she started working in an elementary school. And it's like never been an issue for me. But maybe uh, something about, you know, the uh, whole stay at home, wear a mask lifestyle uh, of the past year and a half uh, just set me up for failure this time around. Perhaps. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But uh, anyway, it's um, it's the common cold, and uh, I believe there's no reason to be concerned that uh, uh, COVID has actually reached us. Yeah, when we when we all had our cold, it was all three of us, and I woke up. So we had to keep Elliot home. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, b- before we probably would have sent him when he just had like the runny nose part of it, or just a cough. But like, yeah. Uh, you know, we had to keep him home and, and I was like sitting on the couch, both sick and trying to work and trying to take care of Elliot. And I looked over at Kenny and I was like, yeah, this sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just want to know, this is a question. Why is it that like all of our common illnesses manifest as something in our like nose? Yeah. Something about sinuses. Um, Why? I don't, I don't is know. It mo- about- is because they're moist? I don't know enough about biology to back up what I'm about to say, mm-hmm. uh, which is that just something I vaguely remember hearing is that there's just, it's as if the sinuses were really poorly designed. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so I, I presumably there's just like a lot of room for for disaster because uh, in there. As somebody who... I, I said this once and I'll say it again. When I had MRSA mm-hmm. and I was hospitalized, I had yeah. just come off of like a month-long sinus infection. Yeah. And I looked at my mother and I said, this is better than my sinus infection. And mm-hmm. she said, you are in the hospital. And I mm-hmm. said, I am more comfortable now. Mm-hmm. Even though I am feverish and almost hallucinating. <laughs> yeah. Than I was when I had a sinus infection for a month and right. had to go to school. Mm-hmm. And she was like, okay. And I stand by that. You know, yeah, I complain about my ankle being hurt and stuff. And I mean, I think those are legitimate complaints. But if I could have a permanently injured ankle or never have sinus issues again in my life, 
I would be mm-hmm. like, well, walking was great, but yeah, goodbye. But it's not like you had any Olympic dreams. Yes. But before we get into that. Please. Do you have any old business? I don't think I do. I mean, there's a ton that we could talk about. I have old business. Old business. Um, so the main old business that I have is, did you sign up for the French Dispatch newsletter? No, for some reason I didn't. I don't remember. So, uh, there was something about I. I. Uh, I think you sent me a link. I, I did. Think I pulled it up on my phone, mm-hmm. and I think for some reason it didn't work. So I signed up for it, and I can forward you these emails if you'd like. Sure. Um, it's a fucking delight. Okay. So what it is? Okay. Well, let me tell you what it is and is not. So it is a. The first email I got was a letter from the editor and there was a little drawing. And it was basically like a Wes Anderson, like, text shot, Mm -hmm. except in an email. Okay. And there's a little drawing of Bill Murray's character. And it says, letter from the editor, Arthur Howitzer Jr. Mm -hmm. Dear reader, over the years, I have assembled a team of the best expatriate journalists of our time to bring you the French Dispatch, a factual week- weekly report on the subjects of world politics, the arts, high and low, fashion, fancy cuisine, slash fine drink, and diverse stories from uh, uh, of human interest set in... Oh, I never know how to say this word. I, I always say it wrong and Kenny makes fun of me. How do you say E-N-N-U-I? Ennui. Ennui. I always say N-U-I. Ennui. It's French. France. I hope you enjoy the French Dispatch newsletter, and if you find yourself in Ennui, telephone me. Signed, Mm -hmm. A.H. Jr. P.S. No crying. And then the thing that makes it really a delight is they then have sent me two so far, um, and it is covers, the covers of the magazine. And I'm assuming each of the covers is like one of the shorts that's going to be from the movie. Mm-hmm. And then it has a little description, description including the word count of the story. <laughs> sure. And um, if you click a link, it will take you to um, watch a little 30-second trailer of that specific story. Right. And then at the bottom, it says back issues and... They're not all up yet, so there's only, like, if you click on back issues, it's, like, only the first one that has Owen Wilson, none of the other ones. Yeah. Um, but I'm very pleased about it because I think it is a cute – I'm always here for, like, a cute tie-in. Yeah. This seems like kind of a throwback to me. What do you mean? To, I feel like there was a time when uh, tie-ins like this were – were had a, had a boom. Yes. And And – Tie-ins are not extinct. However, the boom is in the past. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I think that this is kind of a th- a throwback. The boom was when you know the internet was so rich with possibility that you know everyone everywhere was throwing uh, all their spaghetti against the wall oh, to, yeah, yeah. to see what stuck. Um, and now and doing you know, uh args and and uh you know i'm thinking of uh, uh, uh as i often am i'm thinking of the donnie darko website which yes. was uh extremely weird 
My and- ex-boyfriend spent hours working on that website. Sure. And he had written down everything because the mm-hmm. one time he had not written it down and then didn't do it for a while and forgot some of it. <laughs> yeah. What Justifiably. What are args? I always forget this because um, I, I think augmented reality has, has come to mean something else. But I think it stands for augmented reality game. Oh, no, oh. I'm sorry. I Googled ARG. It's alternate reality game. Okay. Um, I don't think I've ever heard that. So so basically, I feel like we've talked about this before, but I can't remember why or when specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, imagine there was some kind of a more interactive element in what the they're doing for the French dispatch. Yeah, like yeah. you were trying to like, you know, it's like geocaching or something like yeah. that. Like you're trying to find stuff in the real world. Um, that's an ARG. Uh, this is what Wikipedia says. An interactive networked narrative that uses the real world as a platform and employs transmedia storytelling to deliver a story that may be altered by players' ideas or actions. So, um, uh, some of these ideas got into my head. This is now, this is my old business. Um, going all the way back to The Witness. Mm-hmm. And if you listen to the Brian Moriarty lecture uh, called The Secret of Psalm 43, mm-hmm. um, he talks about one or two examples of like people, you know, went wild getting swept up in this phenomenon of like a real life treasure hunt mm-hmm. that was you know, designed uh, with, you know, clues and, uh, you know, uh, alternate reality in the name of the thing, basically implying that you are using the landscape of the real world to tell a story that's actually from a fictional Mm -hmm. world. Sort of slightly related to this, just as a very small note. I have decided the theme for Elliot's fifth birthday party, which is in about a month. Yeah. It's going to be Busy Town. Do you know Busy Town? I've heard of it, yeah. Um, uh, you know, Busy Town existed when we were kids. Um, sure. Richard Scary. Richard but there's Scary, a, yeah. There's a show called Busy Town Mysteries mm-hmm. that Elliot's, Elliot's obsessed with. There's mm-hmm. like one s- season on uh, like Amazon Prime streaming that he yeah. watches. There's like two seasons total. <laughs> Yeah. And so I'm going to have – we're not going to have like a huge birthday party, but I'm going to have his birthday party be that there's a mystery he has to solve. Very good. And I'm going to give all of whatever – whoever our guests are um, cards with information. He's going to have to interview them. Mm-hmm. The one thing that might be a problem is that he doesn't actually want to be Huckle Cat, who's the main mystery solver. Yeah. He always – when we – play busy town mysteries wants to be gold bug who's this like yellow bug that reports <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> so i don't know if i'll be able to convince him to actually solve the mystery or not or mm. if he's gonna want me to solve the mystery and then have him interview everybody he reports on it yeah <laughs> um but that said um will what are we talking about today by by my request uh for a long time You've and requested this, this for a long time? I think I, I, at least I've had it in mind. Okay. 
for I've had it in mind since since pre-COVID. Oh, okay. When I thought that this event was going to happen in 2020. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, well, this will, you know, we can time this neatly. Yeah. Um, I want you to talk about the Olympics. And, and the reason why is because I've heard you mention watching them mm-hmm. more than I would have ever expected <laughs> uh, you to watch them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I am curious about why. Um, yeah, so we're going to talk about the Olympics today. What's your, what's your baseline, Will? (laughs) So, uh, for my baseline for the Olympics, I only want to talk about Izzy. Izzy? Do you have any memory of Izzy? Oh, no. I guess I was six and you would have been seven. Uh Uh-huh. When the Summer Olympics, excuse me, the 1996 Summer Olympics were in Atlanta. Which was a big deal because I have, for me, because I have family in Atlanta. Oh, I did not know that. Okay. So uh, maybe you are aware uh, that uh, the Olympics, uh, each Olympic Games uh, has a unique mascot. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, this is uh, so so my connection to the the uh, idea of the Olympics is a cartoon character slash toy that I remember from when I was six. Uh Um, I think that they must have made Izzy uh, perhaps a Happy Meal toy. Oh, okay. Or something very close to that, which is why I would have gotten this little plasticky, rubbery figurine mm-hmm. that I remember having. Are you looking up, Izzy? No, I'm looking up something else to show you about the 96 Olympics. Okay, well, I'm going to have to put uh, a little something about Izzy in the show notes. Yes. So that people can look at what I'm seeing and what I'm going to show you now. So I've just pulled up the uh, Wikipedia page oh. for Izzy. <laughs> so there, I would just want to briefly mention there are two images uh-huh. on the Wikipedia page for Izzy. And the first, which is the sort of, you know, feature image, uh-huh. is a drawing of Izzy. Yes. Who is blue. Uh, with sort of with a gigantic uh, face, especially yeah. uh, eyes and mouth, little itty bitty nose, uh, sort of lightning bolts for floating eyebrows, mm-hmm. uh, white gloves, just like uh, Mickey Mouse or Bugs Bunny, uh, and giant red sneakers uh, like Sonic the Hedgehog. Mm-hmm. In addition to this drawing, uh, there's a, a second image here which is a photograph, uh, which is a photograph of, of Izzy the mascot in uh, costumed uh, real-life form. And in this uh, photograph, uh, who is he posing with? It's Newt Gingrich. It is an image of Newt Gingrich, then-speaker Newt Gingrich, uh, posing with Izzy at Georgia Tech, according to the <laughs> caption uh, of this photo. Um Izzy is 
uh, a, a nightmare. <laughs> he's 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 ridiculous. He's he's a a, a an interesting distillation of uh, just sort of generic ideas of of what a character should look like in the uh, in the nineties. A uh-huh. character a character for children. Yeah. And if you're wondering why he's called Izzy, uh, according to Wikipedia, he was initially named "What Is It" with a Z in the middle for for the "is." What is it? At its introduction at the close of the 1992 Summer Olympics in Barcelona. So, okay. so Izzy is uh, almost as old as as we are he Mm -hmm. was he was he was the mascot in 96 but he was introduced in 92 when i was only two years old yeah 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 Uh uh-huh um (laughs) other uh other than that uh you know the olympics uh i i i am not concerned with really i'll just briefly say one other thing which is i would uh, enjoy tuning into the opening ceremonies. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why is because I like to watch something happen live, especially when like the entire world is watching it. So which yes. is why like I will never watch an NFL game mm-hmm. except for the Super Bowl every yep. year. Uh-huh. Because it's an it's an event where i'm not enjoying watching the game so much as i am enjoying be you know observing the same thing everyone else is at once i'm really glad you're bringing this up yeah and and it's happening live so the response is is organic and spontaneous mm-hmm. and you sort of get everyone's feedback especially you know, with the internet, there was a lot of people tuning into live events on television before there was the there was Twitter mm-hmm. um, and all the the means by which we get the the feedback instantaneously, which has just made it more fun. I'm gonna show you really quickly the picture that I wanted to show you. So, I'm you're gonna not see me. I'll well, I'll show you me first, which is here. I am. I, it's. I believe it's 1990, so I'm about... I think it's the summer of 1990 because of how old Blake is. Okay. Um, so Blake was... Or sorry, the summer of 1991 because yeah. Blake was born in October 1990. Yeah. Um, here I am. I'm a tiny, cute little girl. Yes. <laughs> Can you see why Elliot looks exactly like me? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and then here are my cousins. So my cousins, Sarah and Rex, are from Atlanta. My Aunt Sally... Uh, they're from Marietta, but they're from Atlanta. Yeah. And it is again, it is 1991. Yeah. The Summer Olympics in Atlanta will not be taking p- place for five years. Mm-hmm. And my precious, beloved Aunt Sally is made her children wear matching 1996 Olympics t shirts, which they certainly were not going to fit in and into by the time of the Olympics. Sure. And matching red shorts. <laughs> yeah. Also branded, I believe. And then you can see my very, very cute baby brother. Yes. With his very round cheeks. As an image almost out of the Royal Tenenbaums. 
Yes, it is. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> I And when I, I had posted that photo at one point and my cousin Rex was like, why did my mom make us? And my if it wasn't obvious, it's not obvious to the listeners, but it's not if it wasn't obvious to you. My um cousin Rex is seven years older than I am. So nine mm-hmm. years older than Blake and Sarah is 10 years older than I am. Right. So um, Rex was like, why did my mom make us wear matching outfits? And I was like, why did your mom make you wear matching outfits? Five years before the Olympics were happening, when you were visiting Pennsylvania. If if someone our age made their Royal Tannenbaums today, uh-huh. set in the present day, <laughs> then you could see that in that movie. <laughs> because of the way that in the real Royal Tannenbaums, they're, you know, trapped in like the 70s yeah. in their wardrobe and their aesthetic. and So why... Do I love watching the Olympics? That's what I would like to know. And I'm going to differentiate really quick up front Mm -hmm. between loving the Olympics and loving watching the Olympics. Because I've I've always sort of struggled with this um, casually, but like this year it was like really um, sort of hyper magnified. Um, which is that the Olympics have a lot of problems and they have some bad actors. Um, and basically the conclusion I've come to is that when you have any large, and I'm not saying this to excuse things, but just like, because I don't really think it's worth focusing on for this particular conversation. Um, which is that when you have an organization so large as Something that is like, this is like the world's, the singular world, all sports competition. Mm -hmm. There are going to be things that are really fucked up because you're looking at the, essentially, I mean, clearly this is not every experience ever, but you're looking at essentially the widest range of cultures, the widest range of political um, affiliations and associations and goals um, that you could have. Um, you know, there were trans athletes in this Olympics for the first time that were out, out at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, you know, some of the countries competing, you know, you could be murdered if you're trans. So, like, clearly, <laughs> this is what I mean when I say, like, you know, I'm not saying there's only so much one can do, but I, I think that, like, what I'm interested in with the Olympics is not necessarily being really pro-Olympic committee. Does right. that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, so what, what? let's start with um, what my experience of the Olympics and why I like the Olympics. So I have always watched the Olympics um, as with my family. Mm-hmm. It was just something we did. I think my mom thought it was important that we – we're really tuned into like world events when mm. we could be. So like when Princess Diana died in 97, mm-hmm. she like made me watch the funeral at like six in the morning. Mm. She was like, you're going to want to remember this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, nine. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she was right. I'm glad, you know, I fucking watched Elton John sing Candle in the Wind live, mm-hmm. you know. And it and it was similar in what you're talking about too, where it's like, um, and we'll we'll talk about this more, but like everyone was watching that, and I'm glad that I was a part of that for that moment. 
But it then, helps when it's entertainment, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's better when it's not super sad. But <laughs> um, though I had, I will say, I had liked Princess Diana before. Like, I was aware of her as a child before she died. Like, it wasn't mm. only in her death that I became aware of her. Mm-hmm. I feel like I had read books about her. Sure. But then I got to be college, and I started dating someone who really loved watching the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, unfortunately for me, I continued to date that person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in fact, we we became married. Indeed. <laughs> and that person is Kenny Lakes. <laughs> yeah, I've heard of him. Um, so the first Olympics we watched were the Winter Olympics in 2010 mm. or 2000. Yeah, 2010. And then every year since, every two years since, um, essentially, we have yeah. watched the Winter or Summer Olympics. Yep. And um, I think that part of the reason there's I mean, I'm going to go through like some some sort of like things I like and highlights and stories that I think are interesting. But I think that part of. The, the sort of like general reason why Kenny and I like watching the Olympics so much is because is a few things. The first is that it is it feels like a community event. Yeah. Even if like, you know, I'm not going, especially this year, but like, you know, I'm not going anywhere to watch the Olympics. But like I watched, you know, the primetime events and I got to like text with my family and text with Sarah about what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, And I knew, you know, there was like the whole world you know the whole world quote unquote is watching right um and i think that there's something really special about that um as i think you know i don't love sports for the most part mm-hmm. um and so the nice thing about the olympics is that you kind of can't get bored because there's like a three million sports right mm. so like you know i don't need to watch Every trial and every, um, like, leading up to uh, race in, like, speed canoeing. Mm-hmm. But I can watch the finals. I can see people at the peak of their sportsmanship. Mm-hmm. I can go, oh, God. And then I can watch something completely different. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because part part of the reason I don't like sports is because... I cannot, and it took me a while to realize that this was really why I was so adverse to it. Because, like, I love going to a baseball game. Okay. I love going, I love, you know, trekking into D.C., sitting down in a shady (laughs) seat, Mm -hmm. getting a expensive but large, like, pounder of beer. Yeah. Eating a hot dog and watching people... Hit balls, looking around at the people around me. But the thing I don't like is becoming dedicated to something that may or may not disappoint me and Mm. having no control over whether or not that thing is going to succeed. Yeah. This is also why I get fucked up by elections. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But like elections actually are going to have bearing on my life and sports will not. Once um, when the Nationals were in the World Series a couple of years ago, you know, everybody at work was wearing their Nationals stuff all t- all the time. Mm-hmm. 
And I said to them something along the lines of what I just said to you. And do you know what they said to me, my two coworkers? They said, yeah, if you're not invested in this, don't. It's not worth the heartbreak. <laughs> right. Um, so I sort of like, so I like the Olympics because I'm not invested in that way and because I just get to see like a variety show. <laughs> yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, a comparison just came to my mind. Uh, I've got horror movies on the brain. Mm. Uh, my favorite podcast, Blank Check with Griffin and David. Uh, just put out their episode about the movie Halloween uh, because they are covering John Carpenter now. And uh, I think we've all heard probably the uh, theory uh, that uh, a, a large part of the appeal of horror movies is... Uh, you are afraid of these things in real life. Mm -hmm. Or if you're not afraid of those same exact things, you're afraid of something <laughs> that the threat in the horror movie is standing in for. Mm -hmm. And watching the horror movie uh, gives you an opportunity for a cathartic sort of experience where you get to channel that real fear into a fictional narrative and you get to experience this kind of like, oh, you, you face your fear and you come out of it just fine because it was fake, but you, mm -hmm. you get uh, the reward or at least a portion of the reward that you would get from, from actually surviving something that you feared. Mm -hmm. um, and you can, and that helps you to sort of like compartmentalize like, okay, like I can, I can live another day or week or month or year um, without, you know, becoming catatonic with the fear of death mm -hmm. um, because I got my, my dose of, of dopamine or whatever from the, the, uh, fictional version of it um the comparison if it's not already obvious being you know if you're going to guaranteed you keep if you keep living mm -hmm. you're going to experience heartbreak quite a lot mm -hmm. why why not why not design your life so that a significant amount of the heartbreak that you feel is about something totally stupid and arbitrary. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Just overwhelm the heartbreak that actually matters with with heartbreak about, uh, you know, re recreation. Yeah, about the Knicks. Recreational heartbreak. Yeah, recreational heartbreak. Will. Mm. Well, the only the, just real quick, the other reason why I've had any reason to think about these things because I also don't like sports, don't care about sports. There's a writer who I I uh, just the other day thought, huh, um, I, since I got out of school, out of grad school and college, just every year I've been doing less and less of the things that I 
conditioned myself to to care about because I was in school. Mm. Uh, I stopped writing certain kinds of things and then I stopped writing anything and then I stopped reading books, uh, <laughs> basically. So um, uh, that has given me a different perspective on like, who, what are my favorite things mm-hmm. and who are my favorite writers? And there's this guy who I thought, okay, uh, he, he might be one of my favorite living writers and, and a testament to why I, the reason I would say that is because he can write so well about sports. He can write narratives about real life sports mm-hmm. so well that I get really invested um, and care about sports for a little bit, as long as he's telling the story. Um, his name is John Boys, uh, mm. B-O-I-S. Okay. He's a great Twitter follow. He's so funny. Uh-huh. And if all he did was just write funny tweets, I would be <laughs> a fan of the guy. But in addition to that, He's uh, an, this amazing sports writer and also, by the way, an amazing fiction writer. Mm-hmm. He's written fiction specifically at Lives Online. And years ago, he wrote this little uh, series called, and I, I'm not even sure if there's a right way to say it, uh-huh. but I'm going to say the title is 17776. It's, okay. it's, that, it's a five digit number. Okay. Which you rarely have to read out loud. <laughs> <clears throat> and then last year he made a sequel called, I guess it's 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's supposed to be a, a, a follow-up this year, 2021. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, w- I, I will waste too much time on your episode if I get into describing what all this is about. But... <laughs> Um, it's just a highly recommended, uh, read. Um, and, uh, he, he, they, they, uh, uh, the website he works for, they do video essays. And I think it was last year they did a six part series called the history of the Seattle Mariners. And so that was like, uh, baseball. And now they're, they're right in the, as we're recording this, uh, in the middle of a new series called the history of the Atlanta Falcons. So like I don't care. About, uh, speaking of Atlanta, as we were yeah. before, and it always comes back, back to, to Georgia for me for some reason. That's nice. Um, it's so weird. I, yeah. I, and I when I say that, I mean like, sorry. Side note: mm-hmm. like my aunt, my uncle live in Georgia, and then when I was in middle school, we went to a play competition, and it was in Atlanta of all. Yeah. Like it could have literally been anywhere in the country, and it was in the only place I had visited before. Right. And right now my mentee, Auden, is um, not exactly from Atlanta, but is also from a suburb of Atlanta originally and was living in a suburb of Atlanta. Right. And it's like, why? (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, I just went down that whole rabbit hole because framing the uh, thing of being a fan of a sports team as recreational heartbreak just made me think I wouldn't have come to that without being a uh, fan yes. of John Boy's mm-hmm. and something like his story or series or or whatever multi it's multimedia it's 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 more interesting than a lot of you know um, books that I could pick up for school uh, uh, seventeen seven seventy six is basically about a vision of the distant future 
where all humanity has to concern itself with is recreation all day every day uh-huh. basically and just the 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 lengths that that we could go to and that's uh, and by the way all right last thing i'll say about this oh, yeah, also ahead, what's fine. what's interesting about his nonfiction about these you know sports teams histories is it's basically taking the perspective of okay um if there's a popular professional sport then we've been playing it in this country for like a century roughly mm-hmm. um you know on, on in, in the in the um context that that it's in today yeah uh uh obviously it you know has a much longer history um in some a different form but but the point being a bunch of people do the same activity day after day uh-huh. for that many years it's like and it's like an exercise in statistical statistics and statistical anomalies mm-hmm. it's just like it, it, it's it's like if you if you want to flip a coin and you want to see it come up heads 50 times in a row just flip the coin a billion times yeah. and eventually it'll happen because eventually everything will happen and that's what is fascinating about John Boyce's nonfiction about sports is that it's mostly about just singling out these times where something totally nonsensical happened. And it only could have happened because it is one of 100 billion accumulated moments of attempting the same thing over and over again. So this actually, I'm really glad you brought all this up. Don't think that this was like a side note. Mm -hmm. Because this actually brings me to the third sort of general reason, which is that I I like the Olympics, which is exactly what you're talking about and also the opposite of what you're talking about, which Mm. is that if regularly following a sports team is recreational heartbreak, Mm -hmm. then having essentially no investment in who wins in the Olympics means that for every single fucking competition you watch, you get a little shot of dopamine yeah. celebrating some random person you've never cared about right. winning. Yes. <laughs> and also, also in terms of this is like, you, you know, you're talking about the fact too that like, you know, so the for these athletes and for people who are athletes and for everybody who's athletes, like they're all doing this all of the time. And I, this is, the Olympics are a highlight reel. Like, I don't even have to watch this every year, Will. I get what, I watch it every two years. And every two years, it's completely different sports. <laughs> like, it's on a right. cycle. Yes. Um. So, that's sort of like generally why I like the Olympics. And I'm going to sort of talk about some highlights now. I do also want to mention, as I think I maybe mentioned on this podcast before, that in normal year, the Summer Olympics... Um, I was born on a Summer Olympics year, mm-hmm. and so was Elliot, which is interesting because he could have been born on the same day as me, which he was, and not be born on a Summer Olympics year. Right. Or he could have been born on, you know, in 2017, but he was not. Um, and so Summer Olympics years are also, most of the time, election years mm-hmm. and leap years. Right. Um, which I think is interesting that those three sort of Yeah, they're events- all four-year cycles – 
and they're line all up. synchronized <laughs> with each other. Yeah, doesn't, um, that doesn't seem like it should be. No, they they should be off. Or you know why why isn't one of them in line with the Winter Olympics? Um, so yeah, so or just um, a, a different off year. <laughs> right. So Elliot was born in 2016. Yeah, he was born in September, mm-hmm. like you were. Mm-hmm. So he was born right before the, like two months before the election, or, six or weeks. less, less than that, six weeks. Yeah, because I had my six week appointment. I literally voted in the morning and went to my six week post birth appointment. I guess that what, day. what the uh, there is one little thing I'm confused about, which is that you are a year older than me. And I was born in January 1990. Yes, because I was born in September. Right. So 88. Oh, you were born in 88, not yes. 89. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. Because yeah. I'm a year older than you, but you I was born at the very end of the year and you were born at the very beginning right. of the year. Right. Really, I'm like 14 months older than you are. I see. Okay, yeah. I, I actually hadn't realized that you were born in 1990 until – which. It's one of those things that, like, as soon as I did the math, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Because Blake right. was born in 1990. Right. So, Later. really, you're, like, Blake's age. <laughs> yeah. Same year, um, me at the at the beginning and him near the end. Yes, exactly. Um, which, this is, this is just a I was rounding point. your birth to yes. 89. Yeah. Because you were born late in 88. And this is also a thing that has actually been coming up for me a lot because I know a handful of kids that are starting kindergarten this year mm-hmm. that were born, you know, I was pregnant at the same time as their moms, right? Yeah. But Elliot is not starting kindergarten because I specifically wanted him <laughs> to be the oldest person in his class and right. he will. Yeah. Because he's not starting kindergarten in a week. Um. So yes, that's that's the last sort of note about that. So now before I get into some of these highlights, I want to say too, I'm not an expert on the history of the Olympics. I don't know the ins and it's outs not, of everything. It's not why we do this. Um, I'm just smug about this because it brings me joy and um, it's a fun thing that I get to do every two years. And, um, you know, a big part of it is that I get to do it with Kenny. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think I'm not sure... If Kenny hated the Olympics, or if my partner hated the Olympics, I'm not totally sure how much I would watch them. I probably would still watch them because I, I just generally like them. But, um, you know, Kenny, seeing Kenny happy is one of my greatest joys. And so here we are. Okay, so the first thing I want to tell you um, before we move on to the opening ceremonies is another thing about the 1996 Olympics. Yeah. That I Maybe you know already, but I think mm-hmm. it's worth mentioning. You know, um, if you were to go to a used car lot, mm-hmm. you'd see one of these guys. Yes. Do you know that that? And could you explain what I just did? <laughs> well, yeah, and and um, prob. I'm guessing probably you don't have the uh, Family Guy reference ingrained in your brain. I've uh, seen. I've seen I it have. since. Yes. But yeah. So it's the things- wacky, wacky, wild. It's thanks to Family Guy, unfortunately, that I under that I know this thing as the wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man. Yes. <laughs> which is a long, complicated phrase that I can recite uh and uh because they, they said it over and over again. Yeah. And I watched it over and over again. 
So Wikipedia calls them a tube man, also known as a sky dancer, air dancer, and original. And it was originally called the tall boy. Is essentially a <laughs> stick figure. <laughs> the tall boy. The tall boy. Oh, here comes the boy. Here comes the boy. <laughs> So it's like a stick. If you don't know what it is, you mean Google it. But it's like a stick figure shaped yeah, human that's made of tubes. Mm-hmm. Air goes up the legs into the arms and the head. And because of this, it We've flails around. Um, those were originally um, from the opening ceremonies of the 1996 Summer Olympics. That rocks. If I ever knew that, I had forgotten it. And the thing that's so wild to me about this, and there's there, I believe there's an entire 99% invisible about this. Okay. But the thing that's so particularly weird about this to me is that clearly I was a young person for the 96 Olympics, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, I was seven and then almost eight. But like, these things feel eternal to me. You know, if you had told me that they were invented in 1950, I would have been like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, as soon as you had this sort of like nylon material and fans, it seems like an obvious invention. <laughs> yeah. They, um, they've been ubiquitous in, in most of our lifetimes. But yes, they were um, initially from the um, opening ceremonies of the 1996 Olympics. So let's talk about the opening ceremonies. Mm-hmm. So the opening ceremonies um, are great, are very long, first off. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they're great for something that I know that you love in general, mm. which is dunking on things. Yeah, yeah yes, yes. Um, so there's always like, I I should have just looked this up and I don't know. I'm just going to say it from memory. So at the, o- the opening ceremonies, there's a few, there's a few segments. There's always like, uh, like historical part where there's sort of like this artistic representation of like the host city and country that mm-hmm. the Olympics are in. Yeah. Cultural part. Well, but there's like a historical part and then oh, there's okay. like a cultural part. And oh, I, I see. they sort of overlap. They're like back to back. But there's yeah. a part that's always about like some of them will, will literally be like, oh, look, there's like a seed going into the ground. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then there's like a when I say there's a cultural part, that's when like like in the the London Olympic opening ceremonies, like the Spice Girls fucking showed up on a like a double decker bus. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I mean when I say that there's like a slight difference. Um, yes, I follow. There's also a there's the parade of nations, yeah, which is when everybody walks out, mm-hmm. um, which we'll talk a little more in about uh, more in a little bit, and then there's the um, lighting of the torch. So the Olympic torch, um, that flame never goes out. Mm-hmm. They have it on on maybe not the right word burning, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like even in the off years. And mm. then in the many months leading up to um, the Olympics, that flame travels um, where people run with it to the next site. I don't totally know. You know, I don't think they run directly there or something. I'm not totally sure how that works. But um, it's not It's not just like in the weeks. It's like literally months before there'll yeah. be like events where there are people running with this torch. Yeah. And then um, the last like – you know, 15 minutes of the ceremonies or whatever are like a variety of important people um, for whatever reason that they're important. Um, former athletes, uh, Muhammad Ali, 
uh, famously did it, um, um, even though he was like really had trouble moving. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, he also famously met uh, our friend Kim. What? <laughs> Do you remember when Kim won the Norman Mailer Prize? No. You you don't remember this? No. This was like. I'm sure I knew it at the time, but it's lost. It's left my brain. Please tell me. <laughs> at some point, uh, this was maybe. Uh, I remember it being like right out of college. Yeah. Like, uh, I think I was in grad school. Kim, for her poetry, won the Norman Mailer Prize. And then there was a. Uh, ceremony in uh, new york city i think uh-huh. uh where she accepted the award and probably did a reading heard a little bit about it afterwards uh saw some photographs i think maybe alec baldwin was the host of the evening or something like that i want to say <laughs> <laughs> Okay. And then, and then, for some reason, maybe because he was receiving some kind of a lifetime thing, or maybe because he was some kind of a, uh, you know, on a on some committee in some honorary position or something, um, a very old Muhammad Ali was present, um, and uh, th- there is a at least one group photograph where. Kim, I Kim, I think was not the only honoree, but one of I don't know how many. Anyway, there's a photograph where there's a number of people in the photograph, and one of those people is our friend Kim, and one of them is <laughs> Muhammad Ali. What the fuck? Okay, that rules. <laughs> and I remember this because, uh, well, I well, how could it, you forget unless I you're remember me. it for a number of reasons? But <laughs> but what I selfishly remember is my Facebook comment on the photograph, which which was which was float like a butterfly, drink like a crow, which is a reference to one of Kim's poems, which itself was referencing the Drinky Crow show, if I'm not mistaken. Oh my God, that's amazing. So yeah, important people like Muhammad Ali and or Kim Stoll will one day, um, yeah. uh, carry the, the flame. And then usually to light the flame... Um, there's some sort of like, um, like, it's not just like they light the flame. There's usually something, oh, and I should have put this the one year apparently. So apparently they, Kenny told me this when we were doing this, the one year, apparently they used to release doves. Mm. I forget which year this was. We'll put this in the show notes. The, they stopped doing this because the one year a bunch of the doves had landed on the, the, the torch. And they got incinerated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I don't mean to laugh at the suffering of birds that didn't ask to be there, but it's like but, one of those things where, like, what? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny. Um, um, some of them got away, too, which is the sad thing. Because, mm-hmm. like, you see some of them get away, but then you just see some, like, feathers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you would you would see that. Um. So the thing, we, you can still do this, but do you remember how Matt Lauer is the fucking worst? Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> so Matt Lauer 
was, you know, for years, the Olympic coverage guy. Mm-hmm. And when it came out that he was the worst, um, my coworker, um, Claire, was very upset by this, as were a lot of people. And, and I don't mean that in the, um, I don't mean this condescendingly. I mean, when you have a voice that you've trusted telling you your news for decades or mm-hmm. however long. Yeah. Um, it can be very upsetting to find out that that person was really actively creating harm in other people's lives, of course. Mm-hmm. I knew that Matt Lauer was a piece of shit because our drinking game that we used to play for the Olympics was drink anytime Matt Lauer says something insensitive. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> so the drinking game we used to play, which I did not get to play in the 2016 Olympics because I was wildly pregnant, that opening ceremonies was literally the night of my baby shower because we watched them at my mom's house. Mm-hmm. And I did not get to play it this year because uh, we watched them live, which was at seven in the morning. Yep. Um, so I was working. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, we would play this game and I would get smashed <laughs> because he was such a dick. And I can't, I wish I could tell you something like a variety of things that he said because mm-hmm. I just don't remember because it's been so many years But the one thing that I remember him saying, maybe the thing that prompted this initially, was there was a country coming out. And I don't remember what country it was. Yeah. Um, You know, let's let's just say the United States for the sake of a filler word. Though clearly it's not the United States. We're a very metally winging country. Yeah. He would be like, you know, here's the United States walking out, very proud. You know, they never, they've never won an Olympic medal ever in the history. But you know what? They show up every year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Kenny and I would be like, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> you're you're allowed to think that, but. Um, can I uh, just take this moment to, to share my browser again with you? Oh, please. I just can't wait until we're done to look at this with you. Oh, my God. There it is. You found it by Googling. I Googled Kim stole Norman Mailer. Because it's not just Kim stole with Muhammad Ali. She's like cuddling with him. That's not fair. She's like cozy on a couch. She's cozy on a couch with him. Um, She also looks so hot. It is extremely uh, bizarre to see a picture of your friend with a Getty Images uh, <laughs> uh, watermark on it, but that exists in addition to the photograph we're looking at. Who's this scary man? She's that's handing her a award. Um, uh, uh, possibly John Giorno. Um, that's just going by the headline. Um don't know if that's the same person oh my god she's just she just looks like who are these other people do you know who any of these other people are so i'm again i'm just reading the headline um muhammad ali lawrence schiller nicholas boss uh kim stole john (laughs) giorno um don't know those names and then i don't believe there exists a photo of Kim with Alec Baldwin, but here is a photo of Alec Baldwin with Muhammad Ali and <laughs> some woman uh, clearly from the same event. So that's confirmation wow. that Alec Baldwin was there. Here's a larger group photo uh, where there's yeah. someone between Kim and Muhammad Ali on the couch. That's inc- that's incredible. I'm so happy about this. Kim is like... yeah. 
Why Kim did not ask to be in this podcast episode. Yeah, I'm going to have to clear this with her. <laughs> <laughs> Which is bad because we've talked about it a lot thanks to me now. <laughs> that's a lot to edit out if she doesn't want this. Well, you've about. dug your own grave. Um, mm-hmm. So the other thing from the opening ceremonies that I want to bring up is the guy from Tonga. Yeah. Do you know about this guy? I do because I, I I watched a little bit of the Parade of Nations this year and um, they they did a little um, special coverage of, of the guy you're talking about. So his name is, um, I'm not going to probably say his last name right. His name is Pita Tafautofua. He is a man from Australia who was raised in Tonga. And he went to the Olympics initially um, in 2016 for Taekwondo. Um, And he's um, not that great of an athlete, Mm. by which I mean he went to the Olympics, so he's an incredible athlete. Um, But he is never like somebody that they think is actually going to medal. But he got to be the flag bearer. So the flag bearers are the ones that actually carry in the flag um, for their country. Um, It's an honor and he decided to do this in a um, Tonga, traditional Tonga outfit, which is, let me see if I can find a description of it. It's a called a Ta Avala, and it's a Tongan mat, which is wrapped around the waist. And then he um, apparently applied copious amounts of oil to his um torso and his head and his arms Mm -hmm. um so he looked and he's very muscular because again he is he is an olympic athlete so he go so here's the thing about this guy that i love besides i mean clearly he's hot and everybody's losing their minds whatever um he does this everybody's like losing their minds he then leaves the 2016 olympics and decides that he would like to go to the 2018 olympics Mm-hmm. And so he learns cross-country skiing. Yes. And in the next two years, becomes proficient enough at cross-country skiing that he qualifies for the fucking Winter Olympics in 2018. Which, like, what a life, Will. Yeah. Can you imagine? Like, I, for three months, was debilitated because I stepped in a hole. This dude decides to pick up cross-country skiing and qualifies. <laughs> He was the second Tongan um, Olympic athlete in the Winter Olympics. Mm-hmm. I think the um, there was a guy who came back after. And he said that he wasn't going to do it again. But then he did. And it was below freezing. So he was in this mat, oiled up shirtless, yeah. below freezing. <laughs> Good for him. And then, of course, he reprised it once more in the um, 2020 Olympics this year. Um, Which and is he also, yeah, and he also compete completed in um, Taekwondo again. And it was definitely a situation where when he showed up, Kenny and I looked at each other and we were like, "That guy." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this is one of those things where, again, I'm like, I'm not an expert. I don't know everything about the Olympics, but like weird shit like this. Always happens. Yeah. And I'm very here for weird shit like this. Okay, so that's what I have to say about the opening ceremonies. Um, I want to talk about the sort of something for everyone 
um, situation um, at the Olympics, which is that there's a bunch of sports in the Olympics um, that get highlighted in a way that, like, you never see on national television for the most part. Um, Things like synchronized swimming, which is wild to see. I watched a lot of the synchronized swimming at the end of the Olympics. Where these teams are, like, um, you know, underwater most of the time doing things with their legs. But they're, like, pushing themselves out of the water. They always talk about, like, I guess a real mark of strength is if you can hold yourself so far out of the water upside down. And they're not pushing off of the floor. There's, like, a deep pool that your swimsuit actually comes above the air. They're doing aerials where they're pushing each other out of the pool and doing flips in the air. They're walking like creepy robots. And then my personal favorite since I was a kid has always been rhythmic gymnastics. Mm. Did you watch any rhythmic gymnastics? I didn't watch any this year. I'm sure I've seen it in the past. Do you know what rhythmic gymnastics is? Uh, I, I guess is my question. I, I guess it not in a way that I can define it off the top of my head. So rhythmic gymnastics is separate from artistic gymnastics. Oh, okay. Artistic gymnastics is what we would just call gymnastics. Um, right. It's, you know, for the women, it's the vaults and the uneven bars and the floor routine and um, the balance beam. Yeah. And for men, it's other things that I care less about. Rhythmic gymnastics is a floor routine that you do with a prop. Okay. The prop can be a ball, a ribbon. I call it a ribbon dancer because that's how they were sold to me when I was a child. Right. <laughs> but it's a stick with a ribbon on it. Yep. Um, like rings, which are like sort of metal hula hoop situations. Yeah. Or, um, and baton. Ah. And the idea is that um, they do these, and they do them individually and as a group. Mm -hmm. They do these routines where they are doing gymnastics things. So they're doing flips. They're, um, you know, sticking their leg directly by their head and spinning in a circle like a ballerina. And then they're also throwing these objects 30 feet in the, I don't actually know how high, 30 feet in the air, so Mm -hmm. high. And then they're doing a bunch of flips and shit, and then they're catching them, like, between their toes. Yeah. It's so wild. It's, like, the fact – I mean, the ball one is the one that actually – the so the ribbon one is the one that's sort of the most flashy because they're doing all these patterns in the air. They get points for how tight they can do spirals and stuff like that. The ball one is the one that always gets me because they will throw this ball so high in the air and then catch it, like, on their foot. And it's, like, one, they caught it to begin with. Wow. But two, it doesn't roll anywhere. How is it possible, Will? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So there's things like this that, like, is just, like, so cool to watch and you would never see otherwise. Yeah. Um, But then there are also – there were some – oh, we'll we'll talk about this first because I don't have anything specific to say about it. There's also, like, equestrian sports, like dressage. Mm -hmm. Do you know what dressage is? Yeah, I I watched the Colbert Rapport. Uh, that was a that was a topic on there. I I know dressage is is horse dancing. Yeah, it's like so. I I am very not very familiar. I'm not very familiar with any of this, mm-hmm. but I'm more familiar with horse jumping. Yeah, because as I've described in the past on previous episodes of this podcast, I am from Pennsylvania, 
we have the Pennsylvania Farm Show, and at the Pennsylvania Farm Show, there are equestrian things, and one of the things is these this horse jumping. Dressage is, yes, it's horse dancing, where you have this person who's sitting on their horse, which also dressage is interesting because it can have some of the oldest humans involved. Hmm. Because, you know, with with sports and stuff, you sort of age out at a point. Um, but there were some people that were like 49 or 50. Right. By the way, the oldest person to win gold at the Olympics um, was actually in like, I want to say 1926 or something like that. And it was a 60-year-old man who won um, a shooting competition. Mm. And nobody has topped him yet. It's been almost 100 years or something. Cool. Um, But yeah, and then you see just like the horse like doing these weird little clippy cloppy moments around. But also, Will, these competitions are, like, so long. When we were watching the dress- the dressage, which look hilarious, by the way. They just look hilarious. Yes. I understand that they're incredibly complicated. I'd never be able to do it. It's very funny to look at. They go on for, like, I want to say, like, five or six minutes where you're, like, watching it and you're like, this is still happening. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to Google something real quick. I'm on a tear today. because i just remembered that maybe the reason dressage was covered by colbert had something to do with mitt romney Mm -hmm. oh really so Mitt. what kind of name is mitt have we talked about this everyone's talked about that mitten mitten i assume it's short i know it's not but i always pretend it's short Short for for mittens romney yes Mittens. It's Every, funnier with the S. Everyone has considered this. I googled Mitt Romney dressage and it moves videos to the top results on Google and the first video result is a clip from Colbert. Uh, and so is the second one. <laughs> uh, Mitt Romney's champion horse and dressage tribute is the first one and then the second one is Mitt Romney's disinterest in dressage wait he owned the horse that won i i think he owned one or more dressage (laughs) horses okay here's an npr story heard on all things considered a horse is a horse unless of course it's ann romney's dressage champ okay so and ann romney is is mitt's wife Mm -hmm. so that that basically answers your question okay is that they had dressage uh in the in the family um i had seen a bunch of tweets that were like um you know the clapping and it was like put the medal on the horse yes and kenny said yeah it's the real chewbacca Chewbacca, yeah yeah. (laughs) um so yes that's that so here's some interesting things um Mm. that were new sports this year so for the first Uh, year they had can i say i think i know this you do? I don't know all of them, but I I think I know one of them. Oh, which one are you going to talk about? I, w- I think this was the first year for skateboarding. Yes. So we're yeah. going to talk about skateboarding. Surfing was new this year. Oh. Um, I watched surfing only briefly. Surfing didn't get any. So we, we did the like Hulu yeah. cable thing to watch it, mm-hmm. uh, which I need to cancel. And <laughs> um, <laughs> and um. For some reason, they didn't play any surfing, which I was so confused by. Mm. I watched a little bit briefly um, with Sarah, um, via Sarah, and it was cool. To your knowledge, is there any way to see the surfing competition? I so I have been for a bunch of the things that I wanted to show, 
like in the show notes. Yeah. Um, they just posted like the full thing or a clip of it on yeah. the on YouTube. Yeah. Like the Olympics posted on YouTube. So I think that I haven't looked at surfing on you looked for surfing, but I think that you probably could. I was I was just curious if maybe it was it was done in such a way that it would would have been like impossible to film. Yeah, so I can actually tell you how they showed the little bit that I watched with oh, okay. Sarah, which is that they had so first off there was a tropical storm that came through. So they actually did something weird, I mean sort of weird, which is that they changed when they were going to have the competition. Mhm. And they um so it looked gross out mm-hmm. because it was like pouring. Yeah. Um but what they did was is they had a boat that was on sort of like going along the shore that had a camera on it um, that could get some tighter shots some of the time. And then they had just cameras um, that had like really quality high zooms on them mm-hmm. on the shore. And the way that they did, because I said to Sarah, I was like, how do they even judge this? It seems like an impossible thing to judge because you can't, you know, with like some of the other like the whitewater rafting type, not rafting, but the white the whitewater like canoe kayak competitions, mm-hmm. they create a course. Right. And so it's not like, oh, they're just on a river. It's not a race. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, if the water's low or something, it's like it's very um, structured. Yeah. And so she said what they what it was is it was a head to head where there were two surfers out there and there was one surfer in the primary position and one in the secondary position. Mm-hmm. And they had 30 minutes to catch waves And the first person would go, when the first person saw a wave they wanted to catch, they would go, I don't know if this person in the secondary position could also try to catch that wave. That was what I feel like was indicated to me when I was looking it up, but I did not actually see it in the like 45 minutes minutes of this I watched one afternoon. Yeah. Um, And then they would switch positions. And so they then got judged on whatever tricks they pulled off. And then that way it was fair because hypothetically both of them had access to the same waves. Right. Maybe, uh, possibly, I'm trying to remember, maybe the only footage I saw from athletic competition in this year's Olympic Games Mm -hmm. was a clip that couldn't have been longer than 20 seconds of a skateboarding guy um, uh, just... Wiping out? Wiping out and like nailing his junk on, on like a bar or something. <laughs> oh God, I didn't. You know, it's so funny. I didn't watch any of the men's skateboarding. I think that's the only thing that I I saw. And it, and at one point also too, during the women's skateboarding that I was watching, the commentator was like, there's Sean White. He knows a thing or two about skateboarding. And I looked at Kenny and said, he knows about snowboarding. And mm. then I learned that he, in fact, has won multiple medals at the X Games mm-hmm. <laughs> in yeah. skateboarding. And I felt like an idiot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it makes sense that if you're a peak they can diversify. in one, yeah, they could. The, the skills transfer. Um, but yeah, I, I was like. Look at this idiot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As if this fucking skateboarding commentator mm-hmm. knew less less about skateboarding than I did. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, the thing I want to talk about first is three on three basketball. Mm. So um I watched a fair amount of three on three basketball. Um I um just based on what was airing and, and where I was at the time. And the three-on-three basketball, the way it works is you have a team 
you know, that's more than three people because they sub people in. Um, but there's only three on three out on the court. It's only a half court. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're playing on the street or whatever. And um, basically, they're just like constantly shooting. Um, so I have never been able to – I've never watched a basketball game in person that wasn't like a high school basketball game which I've only, you know, seen a handful of those anyway. But, mm-hmm. you know, I've encountered live basketball in my life, but I've never been – and I guess once I saw the Globetrotters, fine. I've never seen, like, a real basketball game <laughs> wait, wait, in a, wait, wait, in a wait, stadium. Wait, 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 Did you say you once saw the Globetrotters? That's what they're called, right? That is, yes. The show basketball team? You're talking about live. Yes. When and where was this? <laughs> Well, okay, so, you know, I'm from Harrisburg, and so we have Hershey, which has, like, various Mm. stadiums, and so I must have been 12 or 11, Mm. Mm -hmm. and they came to the Hershey Arena or whatever it was at the time, um, because it's the giant, well, it's giant stadium now, but I don't think that was, I don't think it was built yet. Okay. And I I don't know, I guess my grandfather bought tickets or something. You know, my grandfather, my grandparents were very into, like, going, like, they took me, I have been, not recently, and when I, I mean, not recently, I, I'm 32, not since I was a young child, like, yeah. under 10, mm-hmm. but I went to a lot of Disney on Ice when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, I went to Beauty and the Beast, I went to one that was, like, a showcase sure, that sure. had a bunch of different clips, I went yeah. to one that was Toy Story, and somebody fell in the <laughs> Toy Story one, mm-hmm. and, uh, but it was weird, because somebody fell, and so they were trying to get them off the ice. Yeah. But it happened to be when there were all of the ice skaters um, dressed up as the little aliens. Oh. And so there was like 30 little aliens on ice. But then suddenly like, have you ever been to a Disney on ice? No. So with what they do with Disney on ice is they're skating. Mm-hmm. But then there's audio that's playing. Yes. That is the dialogue. Mm-hmm. And so what happened and this is why, part of why it was so confusing, was somebody fell, mm-hmm. all of these aliens crowded around them so that we wouldn't see that this person was terribly hurt as children. Terribly hurt. Because they, again, they could not skate off. They, like, pushed or carried this person off, but, like, surrounded by 20 of these alien yeah, skaters. Yeah, but, but do, you, do you think maybe that was because the costume was hindering them from from getting up and the, and that they weren't terribly hurt? Well, I, what I mean is like, so the audio is still playing, but it's not matching up anymore. Yeah. And this mass of like 20 aliens yeah. are like pushing this person yes. off. Yeah. That screen. part is clear. Yeah. Um, it wasn't like somebody skated out and got them and they sort of just crowded around, which sure could have been the other option. I don't know. That was just how it was described to me as a kid. That somebody got really hurt Terribly. and couldn't skate back. <laughs> Hurt enough that they couldn't skate off by themselves. It's so easy to explain that away by the costume. (laughs) Like, they have a... Presume... uh, You can tell me. Tell me if I'm picturing the wrong thing. Yeah. I'm picturing that they are in an an almost Disneyland or world level character costume. So, the aliens were... The person who got hurt... Was either like Jesse, or I mean, Je- Jesse wasn't there. If the aliens, maybe they were. It was. It was one of the characters that is not wearing a giant, a more costume. humanoid character. Yes. Okay. Well, that changes it. If I they mean, they might have had a big head on, but actually, I don't even think so. I think that like Woody was just like 
a hat. They just had like a costume and yes. and makeup and not not a mascot type of Which the aliens were that right. costume, but this was not the person that got hurt. <clears throat> yeah. Well, in that case they were probably terribly hurt. Yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> all um, of all of this is very interesting. Um anything that you could tell me about seeing Disney the, on ice is interesting. However, the idea of seeing Disney on ice as a kid is not as funny <laughs> as seeing a Harlem Globetrotters show, which I think Why? is which I think is funny <laughs> because um <clears throat> I don't know. I just uh I mean there's a long history to the to the Harlem Globetrotters. It's funny enough to think of I'm thinking you and I are, I'm thinking I'm saying the right thing, right? This is like the show basketball yes, team yes. that does tricks. Okay. Who was on Scooby Doo? <laughs> they they crossed over with Scooby Doo on more than one occasion to the point <laughs> that like they are the main reference that you pull, except for maybe Don Knotts. Mm-hmm. The two references that you pull when you think of who whoever teamed up with Scooby Doo <laughs> on that cartoon, well, Don Knotts and the Harlem Globetrotters at different times. So yeah, so we saw the point being that the Harlem Globetrotters that act goes back decades. Yes, it does. Yes, um, it's funny enough just to think of there still being such a thing <laughs> as a live Harlem Globetrotters performance in 1990, whatever you saw yeah. them in. Yeah, it was great. It, I mean, I, it I'm really sure, was great. I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was. You know, I went with whoever. I don't know who. I don't remember who I went with, but um, I ha- I just have to imagine that my grandfather or grandma must have bought these tickets or won the tickets or something. And um, we went and there was trampolines. They did a lot of flips. There was like a bad team that they played against. There was a lot of hijinks. Yeah. Uh, I want to say I got I- some sort of novelty piece of trash (laughs) imagine if in 2040 Mm -hmm. uh elliot told his friend yeah uh just 10 to 15 years ago i saw a blue man group show (laughs) okay i see i guess it's just like i feel fairly certain that the harlem globetrotters are still touring i'm sure i'm sure they feel like they've come to whatever the fuck the stadium is at George Mason, that they changed the name from, like, a corporate name to a different corporate name. Yeah. And so I guess this is why this is, like, not really so weird to me as it is you, but I I now understand why you're so bemused by this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, yes, I have not watched basketball, and I'll, I'll tell you a few reasons why, um, besides the fact that I don't like sports, right? The first is that the... Actual visual image of watching people play basketball hurts my eyes. Mm. It's like, I don't like the way it's shot. Mm. (laughs) I think they need better cinematography. (laughs) Um, But also, all of those people are very tall. And it's very confusing to me because I know that that basketball court is very, very large. Because when I see people on it, like that are normal size, I think, my God, what a a large amount of space. But when they're playing, they're so large that they can move across it very quickly. And this hurts my eyes because they're constantly going back and forth. And then the third reason is the fucking sound that their shoes make. Mm -hmm. That squeak, squeak sound is hell. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to hear it. It's so echoey in those basketball rooms. Yeah. And 
So I have not watched it. Three on three, I actually quite enjoyed watching. Because it's only one half, there's none of, there's, I mean, there's some camera movement, but it's mm-hmm. not this sort of constant like, whoa, 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 back yeah. and forth. Sure. But here was the best part of this. There was a man commenting, commentating. Yeah. On the three on three basketball, who was hilarious, mm-hmm. but also wasn't just saying generic shit. Because I think that it's also, I mean, I think it's very well established and sort of boring, but yet still happens constantly. That There's so much sports commentating that is like, literally like, well, we need to do better to win. Yeah. And if only he was faster, they would have done better, you know? It's it's a it's a lot of airtime to fill. Yes. And so most times when you hear sports commentating, it's it's shit that is so inane uh, yes. that you just want to punch somebody. <laughs> exactly. And then you know, for the record, you know, I there have been a couple of like podcasts or things like you're talking about um, with John Boys. Yeah. That are really interesting because they are sort of their storytelling and there's complex history and it's it's really feast or famine. I feel like yeah. So this guy, I'm list, I'm watching just casually and all of us, so which is to say that I'm not saying that any of these jokes I'm about to say are like the best jokes ever, but like imagine this in a drought of right. commentating. Yes, this guy out of nowhere says she just left that like a bad relationship. Mm-hmm. And I went, what? <laughs> yeah, that's good flavor. That's, yeah. He, I then watched him more later. Um, he at one point made some comment about Aaliyah. He, he was like, uh, she's, I think he said like, he's, she's rocking the boat like Aaliyah, which was Aaliyah's last signal, okay. single. Yeah. S- things like that. So I tweet, this is what I tweet, Will. Yeah. I tweet, Watching women's three three on three basketball and the commentator just said she left that like a bad bad relationship. Which like that's the kind of sports commentary I want. Well I did not know who this man was. Yeah. He found me, Will. Sure. He commented six days later, more to come. I'm back on the mic for FIBA three by at FIBA three by three world tour in three weeks. Will. <laughs> nice. Can you imagine this? I well, see a funny man <laughs> tweeting. Yeah. I don't know who the fuck he is. Yeah. I make no effort to find out who the fuck he is. And then he finds me. <laughs> I, I can sort of imagine this. Um, uh, I, 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 I haven't experienced. Uh, I haven't had my own experience that's quite li- quite like that. Mm-hmm. I've had brushes with with similar things. The closest comparison is actually something that happened to Dana pretty recently. Oh, <laughs> where uh, Dana chose to uh, delete uh, a tweet uh, because of the response that it got from the person it was about. <laughs> and uh, I am not going to go into uh, much more detail than that uh, uh-huh. because she did delete it so obviously she doesn't want yeah she doesn't want uh, that, this out that there kind of uh yeah public um attention on it but uh uh i will just say uh i think it, i think it's vague enough to say 
uh, it w- Dana was tweeting about a reality show that we were uh, watching. Uh huh. Yes. Uh, and somebody on that reality show was seeing a lot of comments about himself uh-huh. and something he did and he was responding to them saying hey this is this is this is why i do that <laughs> uh and uh it's kind of uncomfortable <laughs> Wow, that's wild. That's so wild. I think I told you that one time uh, there was a season of The Bachelorette where there was a contestant named Iggy and there was Uh another contestant named Diggy. (laughs) And so I tweeted, Iggy v. Diggy, Dawn of Jiggy. And that got a like from Diggy, the real <laughs> guy. If I remember, it got a like from one of them. One of them was cool. The other was not. I'm pretty sure the cool one uh, was uh, Diggy and he liked it. Um, I found my tweet, not by oh. quote tweeting it. The other things he said were, that's deeper than spoken word. These goals ain't loyal, which was my favorite. Okay. Uh, they share it like a good meme about <laughs> how they were passing the ball back and forth effectively. Yeah, yeah. And then the Aaliyah one was, it's back and forth we go. It's like an Aaliyah track. Mm, mm-hmm. Oh, and then at one point, the other commentator, who was clearly white, yeah. said, uh, said, call Rihanna. Because it's raining and like mm. paused and my dude yeah. goes, good one. Nice. <laughs> it was so cute. That's good. That's good support. So the other thing that I, with three on three basketball that I want to bring up and I'll have a, a link to this is that when Latvia won the three on three basketball, the men's Latvia won the three on three basketball, they all just like piled on each other. And, like, held each other, like, on the floor. Mm-hmm. And something that Sarah pointed out that I had also been noticing is that something that I've, I'm really endeared to in the Olympics is none of the Olympic people seem to mind touching each other. Mm. By which I mean they show sort of, like, op- they seem to show at least a lot of, you know, I, I noticed this in the background and, and stuff like that. They all seem to show pretty open affection with one another right? in a way that feels really uncomplicated and um, really genuine mm-hmm. and not violent, especially for some sports that could be, you know, sort of edging towards more violent physical activity or physical um, contact with one another. Yeah. And I, I, I think, you know, I'm always interested in affection and intimacy, of course, but, um, you know, especially when we have you know, comparatively in the United States, sports like football, where they, you know, it's so violent that people are getting concussions all the time and it's a big problem um, long term. It is really endearing to me to see these athletes that are often sometimes in competition with one another, mm-hmm. just like openly physically affectionate with one another, clearly supporting one another, even in their own comp- competition. Clearly, that's not across the board, but I just feel like it's worth mentioning because it did seem to happen a lot. 
um, in these games. Yeah. Um, the other sport that I want to talk about, which you already brought up in terms of new sports, is skateboarding. Um, s- women's skateboarding specifically, and it really was girls skateboarding, which I do not say to be condescending, but because a bunch of the winners were 13. Yeah. So, like, I think the fi- I think the final uh, podiums were, like, 13, 19, and 14, and then, like, 13, 13, and 17 or something like that. I think I'm getting the other one wrong. So, there was skate... There was street skateboarding and park skateboarding. Yeah. Do you have a sense of what the difference is? Uh, I can imagine it. Do you want to? Do you want to guess, or do you just need to explain it? <laughs> Why don't you go ahead and explain it? So the park skateboarding is going. Both of them are parks, really. You know what I mean. Both mm-hmm. of them are manufactured, but the park skateboarding is when streets you have... are manufactured. <laughs> I mean, that's true too, but they're both manufactured for skateboarding. Mm. Um. The park skateboarding is when you have the sort of swimming pool shaped uh, arena yeah. with very and you're sort of dropping in and, and hopping up and, mm-hmm. and doing tricks. And there's um, there was one thing in the skateboarding thing that just looked like a butt, like sure. a really big butt, which yeah. was pleasant to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the street skateboarding here is going. It basically was like a variety of stairs and rail railings um, for people to do tricks off of. So basically, above ground and. And in ground. Yeah, 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 basically. <laughs> Much like the common pools you might encounter. Indeed. Um, but yeah, it was really beautiful specifically to watch the women skateboarding and, and with these girls because they were all very young. Um, even the older ones were like not really much older than like, I think there was like one woman who was maybe like in her late 20s mm-hmm. or like maybe was our age. But like most of these people were like teenagers, even if they were like 19. And they also were all really, really supportive of one another. Um, so at one point, the girl who I want to say won bronze was about to do her last run. And the girl who won gold who she looks up to, again, they're like two years apart from one another or something. Right. Looked at her and said, like, you can do it. I believe in you. Like, because they also, and this must be true in other, I, I know this is true in other sports too, but I think it's especially true of these skateboarding kids. Um, because they're in these circuits, right? So they all know each other. So they're all friends. But right. they all were like legitimately friends. One of them um, like wiped out. So the way that they judged the skateboarding for the park was you would I think thirty seconds or maybe forty five seconds, and you ha- could do as many you ba- try basically tried to do as many tricks as you could with artistry and sort of like um, you know, a system mm-hmm. in that time as possible. And if you wiped out, there was no penalty for actually wiping out, but that was when your run stopped. Yeah. So if you wiped out at twenty nine seconds, you didn't get dinged for that. Um, but if you could have pulled off another trick in that one second, that's where you would have lost out. Yeah. Um, so at one point, this one girl had, like, wiped out in one of her runs, and when she climbed out, all of these other, her competitors picked her up and put her on their shoulders. Mm-hmm. Um, which is just, like, so good. It, it's so good to see. Yeah. <laughs> it feels good. It feels like real sportsmanship. Um, and it is especially feels really wonderful when these people are like so like they're children like they're so young yeah this gives me an opportunity to reiterate a recommendation which i have already given you but i was also already thinking that i did not 
sell hard enough, um, <laughs> which is uh, you, you've got to watch uh, the show Betty uh, on HBO. Oh, okay. Okay. So if, um, if you have a spare, uh, like, movie night, mm-hmm. um, then you should really watch the film uh, Skate Kitchen. Okay. Which I'm looking up now, and I think maybe on Hulu. Um, It's not on HBO, where I assumed it would be because of the show. Um, Yeah, it looks like you can watch Skate Kitchen on Hulu. So watch it, and as long as you like that, which I think you should, Mm -hmm. then that is confirmation that you should watch the show Betty on HBO, which is... Uh, based on the movie, the movie came first. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, yeah, you will, uh, you will, you will get that fix. Uh, Good. Uh, 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 and and more. Uh, I I think. Also, uh, by the way, uh, I messaged uh, Kim. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you were really like, gotta get this in. <laughs> I was like, well, if I can, if I can get her to say it's okay while I'm still on mic. Yeah. Then I won't have to put out the episode and and people will hear me say, I hope this is okay, but they won't know whether or not I confirmed that. What did she say? She said, ha ha, oh yeah, totally fine with it. And then, <laughs> and, then, and then she wrote, my moment in the spotlight next to the deteriorated body of Ollie. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, well, great. Now we all can feel like comfortable and moral about the consent of Kim Stoll. I'm sending her a thank you. Good. So the next thing I want to talk about is the next heartwarming moment that I, I have watched this clip, this like 30 second clip more than a dozen times. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to frame by frame, break it down for you. Did you hear about the high jumpers? No. So, this year, the high jumpers, um, the men's high jumpers, which are just all limbs, by the way. You know what I mean? Like, they're um, hilarious to see because they're just, like, made out of sticks. Um, So, there were two high jumpers that were competing for the gold. I said this wrong and Candy made fun of me. Do you know how to say (laughs) Q-A-T-A-R? The country. I've heard it a couple of different ways. I said Qatar, and I'm wondering if Kenny said it was Qatar, but that sounds fake. I assumed it was Qatar and had heard it that way. And then at some point, I think I heard it's actually pronounced Qatar. Qatar. That's what it is. And then. That's what it is. After hearing that, I heard it pronounced Qatar. By a bunch of different people in a bunch of different contexts, and I hardly ever hear anyone say Cutter, which is supposedly correct. I think it's Cutter. So he, his name was Mutaz Essa Barshim. Here's, Barshim. Just, real quick. Yes. Yes. Sorry. A lot of tangents, but I'm I'm on a tear, as I said. No, it's okay. This is a good episode. We're doing great. I don't, here's something I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Do you know do you know what Germans call Germany? Deutschland. Yeah. <laughs> How is it possible 
that we're just allowed to have a different name <laughs> in our language for other countries. And if that is allowed, then why? Wait, I was not, I did not know this is where this is going. If that is allowed, then why is it incorrect <laughs> as an American person speaking English mm-hmm. to say Qatar instead of Qatar? It's like, oh, they say Qatar. Well, Germans say Deutschland. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. That's a good question. I'm sure there's some etymology. I'm sure someone can. I, unless, I bet Blake knows. Someone can tell I bet me, Blake knows. Blake will tell us. Unless someone can tell me that the <laughs> that the condition under which Qatar is correct is uh-huh. that that is the correct American English way to pronounce it. <laughs> In the way that Germany is correct for us. But if your oh reason for saying it's cutter is that that is what they call it yeah. in cutter, mm-hmm. that doesn't that doesn't cut it for me as a reason yeah. for that being correct. <laughs> okay, point taken. Blake will explain the German thing, I'm sure. I, I don't. That that's fine. So, the guy that guy from that country, his name was Mutaz Essa Barshim, and then it was Italy's Gianmarco Tamberi. And the way that it works in the high jump, apparently, I might be not totally right here, is basically at some point in the competition. I don't know if this is how it is initially, but at some point, you do a jump. You have like a certain number of chances to get a jump. And then they raise the bar, literally. And then you move on. And so it was down to these two, and they had both um, cleared 2.37 meters. The next jump would have been a world record or tied with a world record or something like that. Um, And none of them got it, which meant that they were tied for gold. Okay? Mm -hmm. So this is what happens. So... They, it, they, the commentators say, and this is absolutely worth watching this, this video, by the way, which we'll link in the show notes. The commentators say, well, I think that they're going to have to do a jump off. And he's, and they're like, oh, you know, that should be interesting. It cuts to this video of, um, there's like sort of, um, you can see the back of on the left side, the Olympic referee or whatever the fuck it is. And then the two dudes are standing in front of him. And the camera's sort of like looking at the two dudes' faces. And the Italian comes over and hugs hugs the guy from Cutter. And they're just like embracing, again, this affection thing. They're just like embracing for so long. And the official guy starts talking. So the guy from Cutter, who, by the way, is known for wearing these like sunglasses and this hat every time. Mm. And the Italian guy is just this like beautiful sort of like long haired, like my hair length um, guy. Um, the guy from Cutter's like, okay, okay, we gotta, we gotta focus on the referee. So he's standing there with his hands on his hips. And guy from Italy leans down and he sort of has his hands on his knees. And they're like both listening really hard. And the Olympics guy starts explaining. So we're going to probably have to do a jump off. And the guy from Qatar looks at him and says, can we both have gold? Mm -hmm. And 
the Olympics guy clearly does not want this to happen Mm -hmm. because he says, well, it's possible. And at this point, he tries to keep talking, the referee. Mm -hmm. And it's over. The Mm -hmm. cutter guy stands up, looks at his his competitor from Italy, looks at him. The guy from Italy looks at him Mm -hmm. and is like, Really? Like, that's his, like, face. And the guy from Cutter just nods his head. And they jump. He jumps. Italian guy jumps into guy from Cutter's arms. And is just... I think they shake hands and then they jump into each Mm -hmm. other's arms. Mm -hmm. And everyone is screaming. Mm -hmm. And referee guy might as well not exist anymore. And Cutter guy gets this fucking grin on his face. This grin. Yeah. And he's just like standing there so happy. Italian guy is just screaming. He's like throwing himself on the ground. Mm -hmm. He's rolling all around. They're like trying to get them their flags so that they can like walk around with their flags wrapped around them or whatever. It is one of the most joyous things I've ever seen in my life. And again, this is why I like watching the Olympics and not the Olympics, right? Because the Olympics want there to be one winner. Right. And these two dudes... We're like, he, you know, the fact that that guy looked at, looked this referee in the eye and just said, can we have two golds? Yeah. And then was just like, fuck it, we're done. Mm-hmm. And I, after having watched this, I have since learned that these guys, like, sort of like with the skateboarders, um, met like a decade ago or something, eight years ago. Sure. At a competition and have since become really, really good friends. Yeah. And so they have said how... Both of them deserved to win gold. And so not only were they so happy that he was like, you know, when when I saw him, basically, I think the Italian said, like, when I saw him, like, get that jump, I was like, oh, he's going to win gold. And I was very happy about that. Like, I feel like he deserved to win gold. And then he did. Um, And so the, but he said, like, the fact that I got to, like, win gold with my best friend. Incredible. Yeah. Now. This is not the first time that this has happened, mm. sort of. Okay. And because of this, we learned about this other story, um, which I'm going to bring up just like something called the Medals of Friendship. Mm. And it's from 1936. So in 1936, for the pole vault, there were these two Japanese men who failed to... They tied again for bronze and for silver of the pole vault. And they were really, really good friends. And so they asked if they could just share the silver medal. Mm -hmm. And the judges said no. They said absolutely not. And so eventually what they ended up doing was they decided that the one guy would get the silver medal because he had cleared a um, higher jump than the other dude in like a previous part of the competition. Right. And so they gave them these two medals. They were both like pissed about it because that's not what they wanted. When they got home, they went to a jeweler Mm. and asked him to cut both of the medals in half and then had them welded together. Yes. And it became the medals of friendship. I'm going to share my screen with you so you can see this, but we'll post. Oh, I can't. No. Because you're uh, not letting me. Now you can. Okay. (laughs) Um, Sorry. I don't do that automatically. Oh, no. It's fine. Yeah. Um. And so they've welded them together and they're known as the Medals of Friendship. Mm. Isn't that so great? <laughs> it's great, yeah. 
Um, I also love it as like, again, it's like a fuck you. Like, no. Yeah. Not not to mention that uh, apparently the 1936 Olympics were in Berlin. Yes, this was the really, like, the really sort of, like, this is the last time that the, not, maybe not the last time, but one of the last times that the Olympics was really, like, ooh. Yeah, a lot of people didn't go that year. Um, there were, yeah, there were a lot of politics that year that I can't. In I case it wasn't clear, I was making a connection to something being split down the middle. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, and there was something else I wanted to bring up about this, too. Oh, because something else that's. The one thing that does frustrate me be, uh, frustrate me about the Olympics, which is part of the reason why I like these stories so much besides the general heartwarming nature of them, mm-hmm. is that, like, with some of the swimming stuff and the run- running stuff, it's like people are winning by, like, a thousandth of a second. Oh. Or, like, and it's like, I guess technically you've won, but, like, really, didn't we all win here? <laughs> Yeah. You know, which is also to say, like, this is, you know, again, it's like the peak of human performance in these, like, very specific sort of acts, right? Yeah. Whether it's running 200 meters or whether it's swimming, whatever. And so when somebody wins by, like, a moment of time that is incomprehensible to us, you know, I tried to look up a sound clip of a thousandth of a second. Uh. And it's, you know, I mean, I was like, maybe YouTube has this and it did not. Mm. Um. I'm sort of like, who cares? Like, you've all won. You've all peaked. Well, yeah, don't, don't, don't get me started on this because another possible tangent uh-huh. is that just between, uh, I think it was yesterday, uh, I watched a, a YouTube video about the history of the 16-star Super Mario 64 speed run. Mm. by a YouTuber called Summoning Salt. Okay. Who I had never heard of until this video was recommended by John Boyce uh, Mm -hmm. on Twitter. Uh, So sort of like one video essayist uh, shouting out another. Um, So now you that is also fresh in my brain and you've got me thinking about it because Mm -hmm. you're talking about you know, competitions being decided by fractions of a second, mm-hmm. which is also a thing in speedrunning yeah. of video games. Which I just watched, by the way, a week of speedrunning. Well, yeah, awesome games Could- done, or I guess summer games done quick. No, this one was, um, it's called... Oh, was this uh, more recent? This was Flame Fatales. Oh, okay. So this is the only, it's women and non-binaries. Ah. But non-binaries, non-binary people. Yeah. Um, though I, there weren't, I think I only saw, I didn't watch every single thing, but I, last time I watched this, I saw more people with they pronouns um, that were identified openly as non-binary um, than this time. Yeah. That said, do you know, there's so many trans women in the speedrunning community. I want somebody to write about this. I yeah. want to say 50% of the runners I saw were, were trans women, which is incredible. Yeah. But like, but I want someone to write about why that's true. <laughs> That I, that would be a very interesting read, and I would just say that um, I have not been editor of a lot of uh, literary magazines, um, <laughs> and I have not uh, done research, uh, which I guess is done by some people about like 
demographics of submissions to different literary magazines. So I mm-hmm. don't know what average is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I am the editor uh, or uh, co-editor, more precisely, of an online literary journal. Uh, it is all about video game inspired stuff. And uh, we it we get sort of a remarkable number of submissions from queer people. Oh, that's cool. People who are either non-binary or trans. Well, I, I guess not or. I guess non-bi- <laughs> non-binary people are trans, right? Yes. By definition. Yes. Um, trans or more specifically non-binary uh, or, uh, you know, mention in their bios that, that they're gay or they're bi or pan or something. Um, it, it, it seems... It's it, it seems remarkable in enough uh, in how often it happens that it I, I have to believe it must be more than average. Yeah. And the only thing I can think of in general is I know that when I interviewed um, Elise for your magazine, mm-hmm. um, Elise Knorr about her Super Mario Brothers 3 book, part of what we talked about and part of what she writes about in her book is the idea that video games allow you to be the person that you are Mm -hmm. before you actually come out to anybody. Right. So for her, that meant she got to be, um, you know, the sort of savior, the one who was with a woman when she was playing as Mario. Right. Um, And I wonder if for trans people, it allows them to very um, easily try on personas Mm -hmm. that they can't publicly um, enact yet because they aren't out yet or it's not safe or they're just not, they haven't totally figured it out yet. Yeah. That's my guess, but I still want somebody that isn't me to write about it. (laughs) No, I think that there's something there. Uh, Absolutely. And um, I too have, I've uh, interviewed uh, several people for Cartridge Lit. Uh, You're one of them. Mm Mm-hmm. and uh, that's all I'm going to say about that, <laughs> except there's one person who I once interviewed for Cartridge Lit who I don't want to talk about it. And I don't know what to do with the fact that that interview happened and just lives on our website now. I don't know. Wait, I don't know. we'll talk about this off mic, but I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know whether to take it down <laughs> or or just be silent about it and hope it just lives in obscurity. Yeah. Yeah. So one more, two more things about the Olympics. It's got a date on it, at least. Anyone can look <laughs> at the date and just reflect on the fact that that was before more recent things. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, There's, I mean, a million people that I'm sure have talked about this, so I don't really feel the need to talk about it, but I do think it's worth mentioning that um, Simone Biles happened. Yeah. Um, Simone Biles is the goat. You know, she is does stuff that's so complicated that they can't even um, judge it. And she got something called the Twisties this year, mm-hmm. which basically means that she um, – I had actually – I hadn't heard of this before, but there was a This American Life episode about a pitcher in baseball who had just like psychologically – 
something clicked in his brain and suddenly he couldn't pitch anymore. It was like he lost all his muscle memory. Mm. It was very similar to the twisties, which is when she like lost sense of like where her body was mid twist. Yeah. So, um, that's really dangerous because if when you're twisting, if you don't twist the whole way, you can land like on your neck and then you're dead. Yeah. Um, so, you know, a lot of people were talking about mental health, blah, blah, blah. Um, the thing that's the the thing that is so remarkable about that, um, I mean, the mental health conversation is important. I'm less interested in that. The thing that's so remarkable to me about Simone Biles is that she was willing to stand up for her health in general. Right. Which is to say that she could have been pressured to compete to the point that she would have um you know, failed a lot of people in her life, including herself, including um, family members that would have needed to take care of her if she was suddenly um, so injured she couldn't move, um, including the people around her that needed to know that if you can't physically do something, you should not keep trying to physically do it. Speaking of people around her, I I didn't follow this story closely, but I, I had also heard, didn't she lose a family member? In, a, in addition to having the twisties, I had heard that, like, her aunt... You are, I think, conflating her and Shikari Richardson. Oh, okay. Did Sh- So Shikari Richardson... And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Simone Biles also lost somebody. But Shikari Richardson qualified... Um, she was, like, the sixth fastest person to ever run this one race. Um, and she ended up being disqualified from going to the Olympics because she had marijuana in her system... Um, which she legally consumed in Seattle. Um, and she had done that after her mother had died. Oh, okay. I, what I heard was that Simone Biles' aunt died. Yeah, I, oh. I Googled it and, and I believe I'm right. Oh, wow. Okay, C- I complete, I somehow missed that. CBS News says Simone Biles reveals her aunt died unexpectedly during Tokyo Olympics. Oh my God, how did I miss this? Well, I guess it was overwhelmed by the story of the twisties and and learning what that is and what that means. Um, but yeah, it, wow. was, it was multiple things. It was actually a mental health thing in that losing a loved one or a family member or oh, a yeah, sure. is, a, is a mental Traumatic health experience. crisis of, of yeah. sorts. Um, so yeah, she's... She's incredible. Um, I am so honored. There are some people in this world that I feel so honored that I get to be alive at the same time and see them in in real life instead of, you know, learning about them later, if mm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And she's one of those people for me. Yeah. Um, and then the, oh, the one last tiny little thing I want to say yeah. is about Katie Ledecky. Mm. So Katie Ledecky is a swimmer. And one of the new swimming events this year, so clearly swimming is not a new event, but there was the Women's 1500 Swim, um, which had not existed before because, and I am not kidding, this is not a joke, they didn't know women could do it. Oh. Which I, when I heard this, I said to Kenny, (laughs) like the thing that came out of my mouth was, well, why didn't they ask? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But Katie Ledecky is from Bethesda. Oh. She's from here. Yeah. And, uh, like, Claire has seen her swim because her, all of her kids swam mm. and she's a little bit – she's a she's about the same age as some of Claire's older kids. Mm. So she saw her as, like, a teenager competing. Oh, wow. Um, which is wild to think about. Yeah. Um, but she um, has, like, a bunch of gold medals and she, 
you know, she's a really strong long distance swimmer specifically. Um, she very famously won. Um, she was like lapping people in the 2016 um, Olympics. Yeah. Um, and in this Olympics, um, a couple, at least one person beat her in one of her races. Mm. Um, but she got to compete in the 1500. And um, she won again, like, you know, a lot of these swimming competitions, people are winning by like hundredths of a second she won by like a full like two or three seconds or something like that where it was like she was way ahead in front of everyone um and so yeah that was also that's one of those things that's just like really incredible to see somebody when all of these people are so clearly so skilled and then you have this one person that is this anomaly right that can just like right um but yeah that's why i like the olympics i feel like I feel like there's something for everyone. Sure. Even if you are just casually checking in. There's something that you might think find interesting or something that you might want to make fun of. Well, let me let me uh use that as a, a diving board or, or jumping off point to to say uh, as we're wrapping up and we and we should conclude right now, but Yes. <laughs> The fact remains, we barely talked about the content of this year's opening ceremonies, which is Mm -hmm. the thing that I find most interesting. And uh, I didn't watch the whole thing, but I got to catch uh, a lot of it. And uh, I was uh, away. It happened to be at the same time I was uh, in Pennsylvania with with Dana at at her uh, family home. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, I did want to say that I thought it was really entertaining the bit that they did with the uh, logos. Yes, yes, I I wanted to mention that. Thank you for bringing that up because that was hilarious. It was super. It was so it was weird. Super fun. Um, <laughs> it was also really neat to see the. Um, and I swear I've been trying to think of this word for at least sixty minutes, but. <laughs> What is the you, do you know the the traditional Japanese performance they did? Um, oh no, I don't kabuki. remember the word. That's of it. the word. Yes. That's the word I was trying to think of. Um, that was neat to see. The whole time the opening ceremonies was going on, when I wasn't enchanted by one of those things, mm-hmm. I was saying to Dana, "Where's Mario? <laughs> I know. When are we going to see my friend?" Super Mario because yes. it's the Tokyo Olympics. Yes, they promised him. And he was nowhere to be seen. I I thought you might know more about this than I did. I kept getting headlines uh, uh, shown to me by my phone, mm-hmm. never clicking on any articles, never reading more about it. But the headlines indicating that there were plans for some Mario iconography that didn't make it to the final show and possibly Lady Gaga was supposed to perform and maybe she was supposed to come out of a warp pipe. I don't know. I might have made that part up. <laughs> I So I don't have – I never actually looked this up and I, it's, I'm feeling foolish because I know I kept bringing up the Mario thing. I also kept saying to Kenny, where is Mario? Yes. And the thing that Kenny kept saying to me was – I don't know that this is the reason for this specifically, but there were a couple of, because of the fact that they were having the games at all, especially in light of the Delta variant, um, 
and to the pandemic in general. Though they did have very low, I will say in their, not in their defense, I'm not sure, sure they should have had the games on or off. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's a decision that I can't really comment on because, you know, probably they shouldn't have, but they did. So here we are. Um, but Kenny was saying that there were companies that had sort of pulled out. Yeah. And he said, it seems likely to me that Nintendo doesn't need that Olympics money. Right. They don't. And so they just washed their hands. And they're very much about like sort of purity yes. and like family. And so they, I they can see very easily see them. associated with the COVID games. Yeah. They don't want controversy. Um, that's both hindered yeah. and helped them throughout the years. So I yeah. could see that. I My guess is that has some that flavor of what happened. But yeah. I have not actually read that anywhere. Uh, I buy that explanation 100%, even though it is uh, speculation by yeah. a layman uh, or a layperson. Um, because he was, because the reason that we thought Mario was going to be there was because he was in the announcement in 2016. Right. So it wasn't like yes, we were I, just making I, this I up. I recall that as well, yes. Um, and uh, just finally, I want to say, I am not such a diehard uh jrpg nerd that i could recognize any piece of music from one of those soundtracks but <laughs> i know when i hear it da, 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 and i heard that during the parade of uh -huh. nations yes. yes they were playing video game music well, that during was the parade. when it became when i became aware of it as soon as i heard that i was like are they? And then and then it turned out that they were doing it like constantly. And, yeah. and I read about it online. And the way that it was covered online is like nerds everywhere are noticing that <laughs> friggin' Sonic music and also Final Fantasy and Fire Emblem and all sorts mm -hmm. of, I guess, basically everything non-Nintendo. Yeah. Like a bunch of like Square and Sony um, game soundtrack uh orchestra style music was was being played during the parade the only other thing i will say too is there was a lot of anime related iconography mm. and sort of messaging that they did around the olympics the manga cool. speech bubbles for the yeah. yeah and there was um there was this is not related to something that the olympics did but there was this like i forget what sport he was but he, there were these people coming out for this maybe it was before a medal ceremony they were coming out and they would sort of pose in front of a screen and then like go on to do their next thing and there was one dude who came out and did this very specific one piece um mm. stance yeah. where a dude's like uh, sort of um squatted really low with his knees out to the sides yeah. and his like punching into the ground right. and kenny saw that and was like that's from one piece and oh, then <laughs> cool like was able to Google it later yeah. and show me, um, but I think he, but he, but Ken, when I say it's from One Piece, I mean Kenny. Like later, just showed mm -hmm. me the book that he had out from the library. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now that has me imagining a, a new, you know, special for this game's event, like the one hundred meter Naruto run. Uh, <laughs> that's stupid. Is that insensitive? I know it's stupid, but is it insensitive? I hope not. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> I guess we'll find out when exactly six people listen to this. and <laughs> Email us at smugbuds at gmail.com. We'll do a mailbag. <laughs> well, 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 that's why I love the Olympics. Yeah, and, or watching the Olympics. And well, and well said. And thank you for sharing. 
Yes, of course. And we'll see you next month when I do this again. Uh, yeah, well, let's talk <laughs> off mic about uh, September. Um, yeah. Wake us up uh, before it ends. <laughs> see you next time. Bye, Will. Love you. Love you too. Bye. <laughs> Will is on Twitter and Letterboxd at youngest of one. And his website is williamhoffacker.com. You can find Liz at exclamate on Instagram, at exclamate underscore on Twitter, or on her website, elizabethdeannamorrislakes.com. Our website is smugbuds.com, and the podcast is at smugbuds on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs>